Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Everything you do is making an impact in this world. This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. How dare you? And I feel like it's my responsibility as a human being. So what? The world is at stake. You're listening to Eco Chic, a podcast about climate, sustainability, and eco-conscious lifestyles. What, like it's hard? Welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz, and it is so good to see you here today. I'm excited about today's conversation because I love when we have fashion-focused conversations on the pod. And today we're speaking with Elizabeth Tran. Elizabeth Tran is currently Miss Miami Beach, and she's an environmental advocate with a big passion for building organizations really from the ground up. She has a nonprofit, Teens Go Green, that she started when she was 12 years old. She's currently 25, so she's been doing it a while. And Teens Go Green really encourages minimal waste practices through their service events, speaking engagements, and most notably, their trash fashion shows. Elizabeth was the first pageant contestant to compete in an evening gown with a dress that was completely made out of garbage. Really crazy. She focuses her platform in pageants around sustainability, which is really cool because she's had incredible opportunities to work with New York Fashion Week. She was part of Disney's Friends for Change. She has had some really incredible opportunities through the pageant circuit. Using this platform of sustainability to encourage the conversation in spaces that are quite outside of our echo chamber, so to speak. It's not just you speaking with other environmental advocates, but we talk a little bit about this Tesla philosophy, about bringing the sustainable conversation to light when you're presenting it in a really attractive way. So I think that she has some incredible ideas for how it is to talk about sustainability, talk about low waste, talk about trash fashion in a way that's attractive and exciting and really just reels people in to talking about trash fashion, to talking about their waste production, and just everything of the sort. Elizabeth and her mother, Rosanna, have combined their love for pageants, modeling, event planning, fundraising through Model for Miracles, number four, the largest charity modeling event in Florida. Over the last 11 years, they have raised over $130,000 for the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Participants enjoy being a model for a day and supporting the cause, and then the kids from the Children's Miracle Hospital are sponsored as Miracle Supermodels. So overall, a really nice feel-good charity event that, again, she loops into the sustainability conversation. Elizabeth recently graduated with her master's in web design from the University of Florida, She did her undergraduate at the University of Miami and currently lives there. So we have that in common. I grew up in Miami and she grew up in Orlando. And Elizabeth is a great example of someone who really advocates for sustainability 
while not necessarily working professionally in the space. And we do talk about that a little bit as well because it is really important to make sure that we're emphasizing that environmentalism is for everyone. It's not just for scientists. It's not just for sustainability professionals. It's something that everyone can participate in. And she's an excellent example of what it means to truly live your values day to day with not necessarily dedicating your entire life to sustainability. So I think she does really incredible work. I really admire what she does and the conversations she brings up. And I will be sharing some of the photos from her trash fashion shows so you can see some of them on my social media. So she's had some incredible outfits that she mentions a little bit in this video, things out of Capri Sun bottles, entire dresses out of Coca-Cola cans. Like it's amazing what she's been able to do over the last few years with trash and actually wearing them to pageants and wearing them on these trash green runways for the fashion events that Teens Go Green puts on. And overall, it's just a really impressive, impressive collection of reworked textiles and reworked outfits. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys on Instagram. And that's actually how Elizabeth and I met. We are Instagram acquaintances turned real life friends. And I'm excited for you to listen to this conversation because we get along really well. We vibe really well. And if you would like to see some of those photos, if you want to get in touch with me for whatever reason, you can follow me at Eco Chic Podcast on Instagram. That's where I primarily hang out. And then all my social links are always in the show notes for you to check out as well. And I'll also leave Elizabeth's information there so you can check out her page as well. And like I said, I'll be sharing some photos. And I also have been sharing IGTVs. That's kind of the new format that I'm trying to share on social media. If you're interested in seeing these conversations go down in video format, we're sharing little snippets of that on Instagram. So just a quick plug there. And something else that I'll be sharing at the end of this episode when we're done with the formal bit of our conversation, Elizabeth and I talk a little bit about Disney Friends for Change. So I'm really interested in just hearing how she got involved. And it's kind of a funny story. So she shares that at the end and we just have a good laugh. So I hope that you guys stick around for that. If you enjoy this episode of Eco Chic, of course, make sure that you're subscribed wherever you get podcasts, but on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a rating and review. It helps me out a lot. And with that, let's just jump right into our conversation with Elizabeth Tran, Miss Miami Beach, USA. We are talking all about trash fashion. We're talking about textiles and we're reimagining how the fashion industry can encourage actual standardized sustainability, the value of partnerships for smaller organizations. We're talking about sustainability in spaces outside of, again, our echo chamber, so to speak. So we're covering a lot of ground. I hope you really, really enjoy it. And let's get into it. Elizabeth, let's just jump right in. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to just like talk all about Team Go Green and trash fashion and pageants and everything with you. So thanks for being on the show, first of all. No, thank you for having me. (laughs) I have been listening to your podcast now, like I think through quarantine, actually, I was just kind of scrolling through and it was on my newsfeed and it's been something I've enjoyed listening to so much. So it's really an honor for me to be here uh, talking to you today. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so, so much. I would love to introduce the audience to the idea of trash fashion shows because I feel like the trash fashion show events that you facilitate are really quite eye-catching and that got me so interested in learning more about you and your work and Teens Go Green and everything of the sort. So let's talk a little bit about trash fashion. Someone who has never heard of a trash fashion show what would you tell them? And how do you kind of just like go about these events? Yeah. So basically 
if you have, let's say, excess packaging or um, more so like unconventional materials is what makes it really eye-catchy. There's always a lot of food products, for instance, that have different types of like foils and plastics and little pieces that unfortunately have to be thrown away. I mean, for me, I used to actually collect the packaging and, and trash that wasn't too contaminated, like maybe not a pizza box, but like a chip bag out of just curiosity of how much I collected. And I was so astounded. So while I was running Teens Go Green, one of the things that we did to try to get more people to come to our booth, we would set up a little table at like Earth Day events, Earth Festivals, model outfits that we made out of those food wrappers, tablecloth, balloons, um, just leftover pieces of material that would have been thrown away otherwise that didn't need to be. So trash fashion is basically whatever trash, so long as you clean it and be mindful, and manipulating it into some sort of textile, trying to make it a dress, a top, a suit, and um, just wearing it to kind of raise awareness on how much waste we consume in a modern society. I think that trash fashion is a really good way to start being mindful of how much trash we create, even if it's not you as an individual or as a viewer, creating the trash fashion, it really puts it into perspective. You're like, oh, wow, that's a lot of chip bags. That's a lot of Capri Sun pouches, whatever it may be. And I am also interested to hear a little bit about how you got into the fashion event planning business, because I feel like planning a fashion show is something that like a young girl would definitely dream of doing. And you went out there and you did it and you continue to do it and you host a lot of these events. So how did you get into facilitating fashion events? First of all, just how'd you get into that whole world? Well, I think with fashion shows, it started off with my background in pageants. Uh, currently, I'm Miss Miami Beach USA, but I've been competing since I was about eight or so. So I've seen people who run pageants. I've seen people that I've competed with also host their own pageant events. And I actually decided with my mother to run a charity pageant of our own before we actually even did fashion shows. And so that was when we developed our passion for event planning and uh, really enjoyed using that glamorous side of things, bringing people together that love just an excuse to get dressed up, no really other reason. And, and then while we were also running Teens Go Green simultaneously, I was like, hey, like, why not just do what we do with the pageant, only it's not a competition. I think sometimes the hardest thing with pageants is that, especially at a young age, people need to understand it's not about winning the title, but the experience and the confidence that you gain from it. So let's keep the confidence part, not worry so much about the competition, and raise awareness about trash fashion and uh, reducing your waste. So that's really how it started. But I think it's also important to know that there's a wide scale of how we host the trash fashion shows. It can be as casual as like we're at an earth festival. We literally put out a green carpet in the grass of a park where the earth festival's hosted and people wear the garbage outfits and they walk back and forth on the green carpet. And then we have the leftover trash pieces we've collected at parties and events and then the other kids and volunteer and audience members that see it, then they make their own little trash fashion outfits and they get to model it and we have a little project runway competition. Or we've been um, a part of New York Fashion Week's 2.0 event by Art and Beauty Magazine. So we'll have our fashions over there. So that was really cool too. We did uh, some fashion shows in Miami. So there will be like different 
fashion week segments that we can be a designer for, or we will have our own events. So I think it's great is like, we can just adapt it to whatever environment it needs to be. That is so cool. And I feel like you kind of touched on this just a minute ago when you talk about Fashion Week 2.0 and all of these other incredible collaborations that you've been a part of. Like, let's talk a little bit about that and the value of big name collaborations. Like when you say we're working with Disney Friends for Change for this particular event or whatever the kind of big name collaboration, how does that aid your smaller organization, smaller values? Like what is the value of those of those partnerships? Oh, they're huge. I mean, they make me realize that, wow, like I, one, can do anything that I set my mind to, and two, that, you know, don't be intimidated by these big name organizations or partnerships. I would say majority, even like 90% of the opportunities I've been very blessed to have in my life through sustainability, pageants, modeling, whatever, I didn't know existed, or even some of these big name organizations or groups, but the opportunities that it could provide for you was, you know, learning how to try to take advantage of that opportunity. The only thing worse than failing is not trying, so just going after it. I think that's a really good point just to say, like, you have to go after what you want because at the end of the day, I don't know if it's a woman thing, I don't know if it's a sustainability thing. Sometimes I feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't bring this up. Maybe I shouldn't like push anyone's buttons or rattle too many leaves. But I feel like with a medium such as a trash fashion show, something that is quite inviting and something that people want to take part in, even if it's just for aesthetic values or because they're looking to get practice for their pageantry or whatever it may be, you don't have to be a big sustainability enthusiast or a big time environmentalist to get into it. And I think that's so, that's so valuable in bringing people into the movement. Yes, exactly. And I mean, it was like I was telling you before where I was even hesitant to try to even speak about myself and the work that I do on the podcast because I love sustainability. It's something that I'm very passionate about and I try to apply in everything that I do in my life, but sometimes I am intimidated to consider myself an environmentalist. It was my minor, but it's not something that I studied further on in college or I currently do as a profession, but it is something that I enjoy and I still want other people, no matter what they're doing with their lives, to still incorporate it because the overall goal is for everyone to somehow shift their mindset to be more sustainable in the end, whether it's hosting these trash fashion shows and just making sustainability kind of sexy, kind of fun, getting people involved and saying like, hey, this is cool. This is not just some hippie thing and, and just making it hip. I think that's really important. And that's a point that I hope to make quite often in my life when I am talking about sustainability in the most casual way. It's how do I make this topic sexy and exciting? And maybe it's not Tesla. You know, I think that's a great example of sustainability. That's very sexy. People like these cars because they're nice looking cars, not necessarily because they're EVs. Yeah. I think in general, you have to kind of take that Tesla approach to a lot of sustainability conversations and say, how do we make this matter to people and make it something that they want to participate in anyway. And I think even with the trash fashion shows, it's quite interesting how you can bring so many people along with you because to facilitate an event, it's awesome that you and your mother are so involved and invested and able to pull off such large events, but it also takes a lot of people. It takes models and an audience and also the fashion designers and makeup artists and photographers and events. And, and what is it like to coordinate all of these 
all of these people? And what is it like to have to share that message of sustainability when it's sometimes not in the forefront of a lot of these people's minds? I think it's honestly just like an extreme blessing and honor to be surrounded by such genuine and caring people that really want to make a difference. And the cool thing about doing it as a trash fashion show or an event, whether they're models or participants or even volunteers, the reason why I even started Teens Go Green was so that people of all ages could be involved. When I was 12, I wanted to volunteer with different organizations and groups, and I was considered too young to participate for liability reasons, for insurance, whatever they had going on. So I was like, okay, what can we do that's fun, still gets the message across that we're promoting sustainability, but even my little brother and little sister can do, or even you know other family members or friends, that just so we can all come together as one and try to be as inviting as possible to as many people, but then we get that message across of becoming more sustainable and um, really starting that conversation. And I think as Teens Go Green grew, so did like social media started to explode. And then from that explosion, it was then people sharing content, um, people of all ages, people of all different, you know, social platforms. My sister prefers Snapchat, this person prefers TikTok, this person prefers Instagram, but still sharing the trash fashion, sharing what Teens Go Green does, and then the overall environmental message behind it, I think is just really amazing. That's really cool. And I would love to switch gears a little bit and talk about how you are able to involve the messages of Teens Go Green and these trash fashion shows in the broader work that you do with pageants. Because I know that you mentioned to me before, you talk about sustainability quite often in the pageant world. And I want to know a little bit about like what that experience is like, just to be able to bring up sustainability in these circles where it's not always brought up. Oh, absolutely. So it's actually really interesting because in pageants, most of them now, especially for older divisions, like what I would be in is considered Miss, is there's a platform involved. So most contestants have an organization or a cause that they're very passionate about, whether it's something related to them personally, they've been impacted by, or they just want to support in some capacity. So for me, as I was running Teens Go Green, sustainability was the perfect platform. And I think going forward, it made me realize I go through pageants and I want to compete and have these titles for the opportunity to promote my passion for sustainability even further. So now tying those two things together, that's why last year when I competed at Miss Florida USA, I finally, it finally clicked. I should have done this a long time ago, honestly, where I made my gown out of the garbage that I had at home. And I thought that that was just the best feeling to get on stage and show them like, this is who I am. This is what I like. I don't care what you think because I know this is me and this is what I stand for. I think that's so cool. What was the feedback like? You showed up in your trash gown. What, like, what'd you hear? So people at first were like, oh, okay, that's a pretty dress. They didn't know it was garbage. I, I did that on purpose. So when you do your trash fashion, you do have to think, do you want people to know it's garbage so you can spread the message? Or do you want to be kind of low key, but then just let people know after they compliment you, like, oh, by the way, it's made out of garbage. Did you know about sustainability? <laughs> Plot twist, bait and switch. But um, <laughs> when it comes to this dress, I, I'm really into designing. I love going through pictures and pictures of gowns. My entire Instagram explore page is just gowns, 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 gowns. It's crazy. So 
I love designing my pageant gowns in general. And so this one, I really wanted it to be very unique to who I am, have a kind of, I don't want to say couture, because I know there's like certain classifications, it's like a French thing, but as fashion forward uh, as I consider and as my own style. So when they saw it was made out of garbage, they were like, oh, oh, wow, this is crazy. And then the MC said that, and um, I definitely brought it up in interview. Actually, even in my interview, I had uh, magazine earrings uh, during swimsuit. I had jewelry that I made with uh, Ferrero Rocher and like the gold wrappers and things. So I just wanted to incorporate everything I loved about sustainability each way. And I'm um, just really like, it's so cliche, but one of the most important things in pageants, and I think in life in general, is just to be yourself and, and don't be afraid of that. So I think that that year going in, I was just trying to be as unapologetically who I am and remembering my mission was to promote sustainability. So really advocating for that. Also, it's kind of sad, but kind of good in a way where at the pageant, I actually sprained my ankle and snapped two ligaments. So I had to wear a crutch and my evening gown at the pageant. So they're like, oh, what happened to her leg? So first they saw the crutch and then they're like, man, she made a gown out of trash. So yeah, I, I uh, would go on stage with a crutch, a garbage gown, a bikini, like, you, you know, just the, the whole gamut. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Oh, wait, that's too good. That's so funny. So you really are pushing barriers in these spaces. You are shaking it up. I, I feel like it makes it fun. It makes life more exciting. And growing up, I think being one of the few like oriental girls in my community and even still in Miami, but it's more so I was so insecure about how I looked because of societal standards, what the media stood for, etc. So now I feel like in pageantry, in Teens Go Green, and everything that I do now, I can be the one to change the standard, as well as everybody else who participates in these events, you know, we have, and, and people in marketing, advertising, etc. We have not necessarily an obligation to society, but we have the opportunity to contribute to society in that way. I think that's a good, good way to put it because I feel the same way. I felt like, especially when I was younger, I mean, what you mentioned about being a little insecure in your skin, that really hit a chord with me because when I was younger, I was so, I have relatively wide hips, like I've got a booty and I was always really insecure about it when I was younger. I was just like, no one looks like me in the magazines and it was something that I was actively like, oh, I'm not being represented. I was just, I always thought that I had to be thinner. And so not even to like get into my whole life story or anything, but once you start seeing people like yourself represented in other spaces, it is so valuable to say like, oh yes, I can be a scientist. I can be someone in pageants. I can be all of these things that I thought I wasn't cut out to do because I didn't see myself in those spaces. And even in the sustainability space for a long time, it was a white dominated hippie space and it doesn't be that way. And it, I feel like the, the value of intersectional environmentalism is so important, not only in like opening up the conversation, but being able to say, oh, this is a space for everyone to get involved. Because everyone should be involved in it. I hope that environmentalism is not an exclusive group that people think, oh, you have to know X, Y, Z about all these different things related to 
the planet or how much waste we're using or the statistics behind it. I mean, it's good to know and it's good to learn, but I think more so as long as you're environmentally conscious in every choice that you make and you try to choose the more sustainable one, we're off to a good start. We're going to get there. Yeah, I think that's an excellent way to put it because it really is about starting somewhere. And it even goes back to what you said that you don't have to be a full-time environmental activist in order for this to be a part of your personality or to be something that you care about. And why is it that we feel like people have to be so single faceted? Why is it that you have to pick if you like fashion or trash or whatever it may be? And it shouldn't be that way. So it's, it's really good to see the conversation shifting. And do you feel as though like people come back to you and bring up these conversations? Are they ever like, oh, I saw that trash dress you made a year ago and it just really impacted me in this way or whatever it may be. How do you feel the response is to all of this very intersectional activism that you're doing? It's been really good. I will say like over the years uh, when people say they're like, oh, you know, now every time I put something in the recycle bin, I think about you. Or uh, if I run my water a little bit, I feel a little guilty conscious and then I think about you with your garbage dress. I'm like, okay, good. My job is getting done. <laughs> like things are happening. Uh, but I do think there is always room for improvement. So for me, it's now trying to shift gears and focus on what can we do as consumers? Like even the last podcast that I listened to from you uh, was the secondhand clothing. And I thought, wow, like when I become a mom, I can't wait to become a member of this group. This is so good. Like we need more things like this and we need more people to do things along those lines. So looking at different products that people can choose um, to really reduce their uh, carbon footprint and then support these small businesses to grow. That's a really great point. And I feel like I'm saying that about everything you say, but you're hitting the nail on the head. And I feel like I just agree with you on every level. I think that the idea of saying, okay, how can I improve and how can I do better is also really important in the environmental movement because you feel like very often it's a bit of a rabbit hole. It's like, okay, I was already conscious of my trash and now let me be conscious of having a plant-based diet or now let me be conscious yeah. of my water consumption or whatever. It's very easy to get into this habit of constantly checking things off your checklist and sometimes you fall behind in things. And sometimes you're like, oh, I forgot that I used to be really into composting six months ago or whatever it may be. And, and making sure that it's a part of your routine in a way that you can grow with it is also really important because I feel like sometimes when you get into the sustainable quote unquote space, you feel as though you have to do everything all at once. And I believe that people are coming to the coming to terms with the idea that it doesn't have to be that way. It really is whatever you can do little by little. But I would love to hear about what you think you could be doing with this organization, with Teens Go Green, with the trash fashion shows, with everything that's on your plate. Where do you see it moving forward? Because I feel like you've already done so much. Like, how do you improve? Like, how do you do more? One of my favorite quotes from my marketing professor was, we will pursue perfection with full knowledge that we can never achieve it. So no matter what, it's always what can I do to improve? And I was just telling somebody else the other day, it's not just the metrics or, you know, the pretty things that I can put on my resume or on Instagram and kind of flex, you know what they call it. So for me, it's, it's not just those things, but it's also what can I do to improve my own happiness or the happiness of those around me? What can I do to support them? And what can we all do to work together to continuously find what we want in the pursuit of our lives and the purpose of our lives in general, not to get super duper deep on that. But I think 
with the trash fashion shows and things that I've had, it's really developed as I've grown. I mean, I started it when I was 12. I'm 25 now. So from middle school, high school, college, adulty job girl, like <laughs> there's been so many changes, but then now it's been an opportunity for me to kind of rebrand Teams Go Green to focus more on the trash fashion, scaling it up. I guess now with COVID and everything going on, seeing if there's an opportunity to do more trash fashion shows, having other people involved. I've been actually trying to encourage people to do more uh, eco-design competitions or activities. Fun fact too, just a little thing. I My Christmas tree in Miami, I made out of like old Amazon boxes and packaging. So anything, like it doesn't matter if it's a dress or an accessory, but whatever you already have at home, like try to make something fun out of it. You know, and if you want, even see how much you collect, kind of do an inventory of it to realize like, oh, wow, what can I do to cut down my trash? And that's why I'm so obsessed with that uh, refillable non-container store Verde because I can bring my own jars and Tupperware. And now I, I can literally see compared to, I have three dresses that were four months worth of garbage that I collected living on my own in Miami to now having almost none of that anymore. I would say I cut like 80% of my waste through shopping there. That's amazing. I feel as though the trash inventory is probably the most powerful thing that an individual can do at their home. I think that even looking at your kitchen trash, I think that the kitchen is the best place to start with your sustainable lifestyle when you're thinking about what you can do on an individual level. And then once you're in your kitchen, the kitchen trash can is the most telling bin of the house. It's so easy to see how much food waste you're acquiring. It's so easy to see how many major containers you're acquiring and just how much like miscellaneous stuff, takeout containers. And once you start inventorying your kitchen trash, you can say, oh, wow, I really have a problem with like all of these tiny plastic whatever bottles. And, mm -hmm. and it's so much easier for people to visualize it and decide where they need to make changes. And the idea of shopping at a package-free store is so important. And I also feel as though package-free shopping is absolutely on the rise. I feel like more and more package-free shops are popping up. I don't have any in my immediate area, but where I used to live when I lived in Arizona, there was package-free stores within like regular distance. And I could also shop both bins. And where I live now, I don't really have those opportunities. I have to drive like kind of- Grow and franchise. Like that's, that's yeah. my ultimate these package-free stores. They're the best. But I think going off what you're saying on kitchen trash, absolutely. I mean, most of my stuff is food packaging, granola bar wrappers, even just the cardboard box. Mm -hmm. And then you have to think about the plastic wraps that are underneath that. That's a lot. That could make one like spaghetti strap top. Okay. <laughs> like, like just visualizing. But it's really important to understand like out of sight, out of mind is a concept that you can apply to so many things, but just think about it for trash. We don't realize how much trash we collect because we hide it in a bin because we put it in a black bag and then like it is a daily habit for us to throw it away, put it into the garbage truck or whatever. And so we don't even see it or it's, it's just, we turn it away. We don't even think about it. And having these trash fashion shows is just to kind of visualize like, 
hey, this was the amount of trash that was collected within a good two to three months. I mean, even one of my Coca-Cola dresses, I was telling them like that was three months of four students giving me their leftover cans from just them drinking it every day as part of their habit. Like, so it's just these little things that constantly accumulate and then you don't realize it comes to a big picture, but then we can do it in a positive way for sustainability. If we do the little acts of sustainability, we can accumulate it to make a better impact. It's a good way to think about talking about sustainability and talking about trash in such a positive way and being able to say, oh, that can, all of that trash could make a spaghetti strap dress. It puts it into perspective. It really does. Because even I was reading this article a little bit earlier about billionaires and the concept of billionaires is kind of foreign to a lot of people because we can't really conceptualize large numbers. Like humans have a hard time conceptualizing that kind of sum of money. And if you take that same approach to trash, you have a very hard, like having a perception of how much trash it is that you truly acquire within your home. Or even think about, we're living as individual people, but think about a family. Think about how much trash that acquires. Think about if you have a baby or if you have, you know, there's so many facets of life. You're constantly just making more trash. It's harder for a lot of people and they can cut it in some other aspects of their life, but it's hard to visualize. You you really have no concept of how much trash you make. We purposely do mm-hmm. that because we don't want it to be a problem. Almost like an ignorance is bliss. And I don't mm-hmm. want to say like we're blaming someone out there, but the goal is then to kind of reverse that and make people realize, okay, like, yes, I am collecting a lot of trash. And yes, there is something that I can do to reduce that. Oh, absolutely. And then bringing that back around to the trash fashion shows, I would love to hear your dream. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your like ultimate goal for the trash fashion shows in five years? Where do you want to see yourself? Hmm. Well, I know one of my dreams, sustainability in general, is to work with the United Nations Environmental Program. Like that to me would just be amazing. Actually, I didn't even know that that could even be possible until when I was Miss Earth Florida, um, one of the judges was Miss Earth Kenya, who was so happened to be the media specialist over there in their headquarters in Nairobi, Kenya. So I was like, what? That's a thing? Like, oh my God. So I would love if they have another uh, sustainable development goal event or um, environmental conference to have a trash fashion show there. That would be Oh, the best thing ever. The coolest thing. That oh. coolest. No, that sounds like an, you all, well, you've spoken it into existence now. So if you just keep manifesting it and I'm manifesting it for you, honestly, I can't wait to see a trash fashion show in person because the photos that you've shared with me and the photos that you've shared on social media are honestly, they're amazing. It's amazing to think that you can be so meticulous about collecting trash, about making sure it's clean, about producing a textile out of it. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't you don't have like a formal textile background, do you? Or oh, I actually can't sew, and I really need to learn. It's <laughs> one of my things on my to do list. But oftentimes we use so this is like the one thing that's not eco friendly that we incorporate, kind of like the hardware of like mm-hmm. sustainable fashion. For us, our hardware is like Velcro pieces, uh, just because we use it on so many models. It's good to adjust different sizes, especially if you have like a skirt or a top to kind of just like, and then um, like we'll punch holes and then we'll like create little strings by braiding anything from plastic bags to like 
old fabric softener sheets. We'll just cut it into like three strips and then we'll just braid it to be like a string for people to tie up so that it could be fitted. So that's, that's really the way we kind of like put pieces together. Um, I did use paper mache for the top of my uh, evening gown for Miss Florida USA. So it just depends on which, like once you see the material, then you can get an idea. Like for instance, like the soda can thing, that was like, I got a thumbtack, I poked a hole, I got a fishing line, I tied a knot. It's honestly a big chunky necklace rather than a real top. Yeah, so it's like crafty. It's almost more crafty than it is. Crafty fashion design. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, that's really cool nonetheless. I think that, not nonetheless, but it's a completely different form of creating something. And it's just as impactful in the end, if anything, getting across your message better than a formal fashion design could could do. And I also am so curious to know about kind of the collection process. Like how many people have to be involved in making these dresses happen? Like is it usually just you? Do you have a team of people who are really good at like cleaning things? Like how, what's the back end like? It's basically myself and my family, but I will say we do have some great volunteers that will even like come to our house and support us or they'll make their own eco fashions in their own homes and then they'll bring it over for our trash fashion shows or even just give it to us to be part of the event. We've even had some students like they had a project in class, so they decided to make a trash fashion outfit, but then they didn't need it anymore, so then they just gave it to us to keep as one of our outfits. But essentially, with collecting the materials, it's usually just like at a party or a social gathering, or um, one of my most like well-known pieces is this Capri sundress that I have. Um, And that was from a boys and girls club where the kids would drink Capri Sun while eating lunch. And it was only two weeks worth of, and I think there was about 40 kids there, two weeks worth of Capri Sun, 40 kids. And I made like a skirt, top, shorts, you name it, out of the outfit. So it also just kind of depends on my schedule as well. Like I said, the reason why it, it seems like so much is because it's been... So I started with stuff. It's been 13 years of trash fashion shows, volunteer events and things. So putting it all together, it's like, oh, wow. But I mean, in a span of 12 years. So at that point in time, you know, I was in Orlando. I could use my sister's bathtub, for instance, to cut the Capri Suns with a knife and then like clean out the juices with the gloves and everything and dry it up and hang it in her bathroom. And she was nice enough to let me use her bathroom, you know? So it's mainly myself, my mom, my sister that does majority of the outfits, but then we have some other really great volunteers that have supported us along the way and um, have made their own outfits and then brought them to the shows as well. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being so honest and vulnerable because I feel like it's quite easy for someone from the outside to say, oh, this is a whole organization. This is a whole event. This is a whole team. And how could I ever get my idea off the ground to do that? And a lot of the time, these younger organizations, small businesses, ideas, they really do start as individual ideas and people just rallying the the family or their friends or whatever it is around them to make it happen. And you really can have such a large impact as a small organization. I think a lot of people underestimate the the power that a small business and a small organization can really have. Because again, like you've had some amazing events, you've had some awesome partnerships and it seems like you go so above and beyond for everything that you do. And I, I really admire everything that you're able to pull off. Thank you. Thank you. There's 
a quote. I don't remember it word for word, so I'm sorry, but it's, um, I think it's from Margaret Mead, like, never underestimate a small group of people making like a large or worldwide change. It is the only thing that ever has. Yeah, it's, it's definitely stood true for me and the work that I've done. I mean, I will say majority of it has been through my family and our support, but it would not be possible without the support. So I would say now we've had three major volunteers that support us and their families, like their pageant fr friends and families that have gone completely out of their way to support us. And we're so, so grateful for sometimes too, like when I lived in Orlando, for instance, and I was in high school, there was times when I was president of different student organizations or events that required volunteer service hours. So I just incorporated my work with Teens Go Green or just used whatever nonprofit or agency that I knew to say like, hey, like they need volunteers, they need hours, like let's come together. So then there was years that we would have 40, 50 volunteers that would take part in the events as well. So I think it's also really important for me because it's my, my metaphorical baby that I just need to adapt it to whatever it is going on in my life at the time. I think that's an awesome way to look at it because it has to make sense for your lifestyle. And I think a lot of the time passion projects get pushed to the side when it doesn't work in the exact same capacity that you originally conceptualize yes. it in. Like, I mean, even on a personal level, this podcast has come with me through a lot of stages of life. Like when I started it, I was living in a different place. I was a student, you know, and it's, it's something that has to grow with me. But then if you have, let's say a time of day that you're like cutting out every day to record your podcast or put it together or whatever it may be, and it doesn't work that way for your schedule anymore, you're not going to say, okay, well, I guess I'm going to not have my, I mean, some people might do that, but you know, it, it's not, the, it's not the same. And it really has to work for you when it's a passion project. And if it's something that you're genuinely interested in, you make it work. So exactly. that's my thought. I guess switching gears a little bit, I'm curious to know, because you are so plugged in to fashion, high fashion, fashion shows, everything of the sort. I'm curious to know a little bit how you are perceiving high fashion right now when it comes to sustainability. If there are particular brands you think are like going above and beyond, if you think there are particular fashion trends right now that are particularly interesting in the lens of sustainability, anything like that. I think overall in terms of fashion as an industry is definitely moving forward in the right direction where people are doing their part, trying to be net zero or look at alternative textile options and things for factory workers. But it's a little bit hard because there's still not a, a fashion sustainability standard that I hope will happen soon for like mainstream designers and outlets. I do think even the, there was another podcast, I think it's called the history of fashion where in every episode almost, they incorporate like a little five minute segment that mentions something about sustainability. So they bring up denim, they bring up glitter, and then they bring up the biodegradable glitter or the, the different ways that people have made denim more sustainable because like, well, in the fashion industry, it is a known fact that it is one of the largest polluters of our planet. So I hope that in the future, maybe Anna Wintour or one of those really big influential fashion icons can get with creating a sustainability standard that other designers can follow or even just brands in general. 
Um, when I was Miss Earth Florida back in 2015, I was very, very fortunate to have a wardrobe sponsor called Consumers Against Toxic Apparel. And that was their overall mission. So she worked with many different stores of um, whether it was jewelry, fashion, or custom designs, even like bed sheets, uh, just textiles in general. Because you think about it, like you're constantly surrounded by fabrics and materials. So for her eco fashion, it's not trash fashion, but it was certified organic or natural fiber material. So that's why another picture of my dress is that red gown. That's the one that was the natural silk, organic cotton, recycled copper wire, etc. But her goal in doing that is so that she could create this standard that other designers and fashion brands needed to follow so that we can see the integrity behind it. And there's a there's a standard that everyone can see. But it's also hard too because when it comes to sustainability or even just eco fashion there's so many branches of it there's so many ways that you can consider it eco whether it be trash fashion or organic natural fiber um, there's a broad range of what is considered sustainable is it secondhand is it upcycled what are we doing and how can we put it in quantified terms. It's, it's pretty difficult as well. So I think long-term, hopefully, in the fashion industry, they can create that. I feel the same way about fashion having so many facets that is quite hard to say this is or is not sustainable. Not only can you think about only shopping secondhand or vintage, or I think it, I'm sure actually, I know exactly, it was Samata from Red Carpet Green Dress when I had her on the show. She is brilliant. She is so well-versed, not only in fashion, but she's just such a high-level thinker. And she mentioned the problem with saying vintage is the only option if you're truly being sustainable is that vintage, a lot of the time, is not size-inclusive. And what do you do if you just don't like vintage style? What if you just don't want to wear vintage clothing? And if there's not another option, you're inherently just pushing people out of the sustainable fashion conversation and making it this exclusive thing that you don't want it to be. So how do we make eco-fashion more inclusive while still being able to monitor it and measure it because if we know the words sustainable or eco-friendly or all of these other buzzwords if they're not being regulated they don't really mean anything so i think there's a lot of gaps in the fashion market in general absolutely but i i hope then too i mean just brainstorming out loud it almost reminds me of couture and how there is certain measures that it has to be or certain qualifications to reach it the goal in sustainability would be to have a hot couture but like hot sustainability whatever um, type of thing that a lot of designers that are striving to reach or the goal is for the designers to want to be a part of that brand almost like lead certified buildings you know where you can have gold standard yes. silver that's what we need some sort of like environmental fashion whether it's through because I think red carpet green dress they do have really good pillars that they use to define uh, what eco fashion is but um, taking it a step further making sure at least someone can be like bronze certified because we can't be the super perfect environmentalist whether it's vintage or trash fashion because I know when I make my outfits yes it does create a lot of attention, a lot of buzz, raises awareness of sustainability, but it's not made out of certified organic or natural fiber. It's probably the complete opposite of 
natural fiber or organic majority of the time with those types of outfits that I wear. So just making sure that there is that definition and people understand it where it's in a way that even someone in the mainstream market can know like, yes, this is eco because trash. This is eco because organic or compostable, whatever it may be. That's a really good point because what if the standard for eco fashion was just, it has to be made out of trash. You know how hard that would be for everyone to get into trash fashion? That would be really hard. That would be so hard. And being able to normalize the sustainability conversation in the fashion industry, I think is really important. And we're just talking textiles. Like we're not even getting into the ethical problems around fashion or just, there's a lot of issues in the fashion industry. Everything local. Are you going to do it overseas? But then if you do it, not do it overseas, are you taking away someone's job? Like there's so much that goes into it. There's so much. And it is genuinely something I think about every single day. I'm like, what are we going to do about the fashion industry? And I think that there's just so much to uncover. And I genuinely do feel like you are shifting the conversation in a lot of regards because trash fashion is eye-catching. Of course, we've like well-established that, but it's also something that opens up the conversation and it says, oh, wow, that's how much trash I'm producing. Oh, wow. This is how you could make a dress without formal sewing skills, whatever it may be, you're pushing the needle. And I just have to say, like, thank you so much for, for doing that, for the fashion industry, for girls. Oh. For just, I think that there's so much to be said for the work that you do. That's, it's just so valuable. And I think it's like, it's the coolest thing. Thank you. I mean, I do hope in some degree, similar to what the fashion pyramid is of like the luxury goods. And then it goes down to like, high fashion, then ready to wear apparel, and then accessories. I don't want necessarily, because I'm elitist, want trash fashion to be on the top, but I do think it is one of those things that you really can only make by hand, and it's something that is the eye-catching moment, just like what New York Fashion Week was. Like, oh, okay, I see this. This is really cool. From there, how are we going to break it down? How are we going to reach the masses? How is it going to be accessible and inclusive? Maybe it's not trash fashion, but maybe it is uh, something secondhand or organic material. Maybe it's not going to be in a pyramid because I don't think it needs to have like higher levels, but it should at least have those branches of sustainability and people knowing as long as it's in good conscience and it's environmentally sound that they're doing their part. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's an excellent note for us to leave the audience with. Elizabeth, thank you so much for hanging out a little bit and sharing your story. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Eco Chic. I hope you enjoyed it. I really loved listening back to this conversation with Elizabeth. And like I mentioned, I'll have all of our information down in the show notes as well. And I'm looking forward to sharing some of the photos of these trash fashion outfits on Instagram. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week. Tell me a little bit about Disney Friends for Change. Yeah, I mean, it was something that I did when I was 16, but... Again, so Teens Go Green when I was 12, over those years, I really incorporated it with um, volunteer events within my middle school and high school. I was very involved with the extracurricular activities there too. So that's how I integrated Teens Go Green with a lot of different nonprofits and groups. 
So um, at the time they had Disney Dreamers and Doers Shining Star. And when I was selected, it was during the time of the Disney Friends for Change Youth Summit. So I had the opportunity to work with Zendaya, Jane Goodall, a few Disney Channel stars, and I was just mind blown. I couldn't believe that someone like me got to have an opportunity like that. And what was really cool, I didn't realize that Disney Friends for Change platform was all about promoting sustainability to the youth. And I think it was just all in God's timing and opportunity for me to really know that this is uh, something that I want to do for the rest of my life. So even saying it's all in God's timing, like back up, how did you even get to Disney Friends for a Change? Did you sign up? Did you know a casting agent? Like what happened? It was, it's not, so it wasn't even like a casting agent thing. These, like the hundred students that were participating from around the world, I mean, the Disney Friends for Change Shining Stars were all from the Central Florida area, but others were through like Jane Goodall's nonprofit. Like some of them were from, I knew somebody from Hong Kong who ended up being like one of our partners with Teams Go Green, Jane Goodall's Roots and Shoots. So they had like different chapters in Africa that came to Disney Friends for Change as well. So in Central Florida, it's kind of similar to the Knight Foundation in Miami, but this is for elementary, middle, and high school. So I won the school level for my middle school. And then in the high school, I found out there was a county level. So in Orange County, if you won the Shining Star, you got like annual passes to Disney with your family. And then I found out that that was the same year they were doing the Disney Friends for Change. So I was obsessed with it. I would go through the applications every single day. I would go through the readings and videos and I saw all the work that Disney Friends for Change did. I wanted it so badly and I was so blessed to have it. I mean, it's weird for me to like bring it up because it happened in high school, but it was really funny too. Actually, uh, Mickey Mouse showed up in my class and they had like a video and everything. And it was just like, I was like, what, what is going on? And, and they're like, surprise, you are now the Disney Dreamer Endure. It was really, really such, a, and, and I'm like a total Disney girl. That's, my parents actually met uh, working at the Chinese restaurant in Epcot. So like, again, Orlando is my hometown, Disney is my heart. I love the environmental work that they've done. And especially through Disney Friends for Change. After that, I was like, I love Disney. Like, go Mickey Mouse. Oh my God. I'm so glad that I was muted there for a second because I was just yelling. That is such a good story. Could you imagine, I'm trying to think of Mickey Mouse the full human character walking in when you're 16 you're probably what in the 10th grade and walking into like a 10th grade english class or something and saying congratulations like you're in yeah. <laughs> what really mickey mouse and all of my classmates are like why is mickey mouse here what is happening oh wow um, that's so funny oh. that's so full circle too that's so full circle that your parents met at disney and just the whole wow that's such a good story that's such a good story you should tell it for the rest of your life seriously don't be embarrassed that it happened oh, in high school. no it's it's weird because i don't want to be one of those people that were like oh back in my glory days when i was <laughs> even even like pageant me is like oh yeah like one time i was Miss USA, I swear it was a thing. Now it's not really relevant, but you know, it's still something fun that I like to share. So, wait, that's too good. Wait, that's so funny. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.